Welcome to the Game Deflators podcast. My name is John, and I'm joined by our co-host, Ryan. How's it going, podcast land? Welcome to this week's episode of the Game Deflators, where John and I are going to discuss some current trending topics in the gaming industry, our recent pickups, and preview our next inflation-deflation challenge. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and discuss some of our recent pickups and what we're currently playing. Uh, each week, Ryan and I aim to discuss some of the recent games we picked up, along with titles that we're currently playing. So starting it out, recently I picked up a copy of a 150 games in one cartridge for the NES. Picked up around 15 bucks. Generally, they're floating online, eBay, Amazon, etc. for about $20 to $25 actually went ahead and played this game a little bit. Well, games a little bit. Uh, it's fairly interesting. It's pretty much a compilation of 150 games into one, and it's got a nice list similar to what you would see in like an at games for Sega Genesis or uh, kind of like the, the new classic systems. It's just kind of laid out a list of little images and uh, you can select a game to play. Uh, the one thing I don't like about something like this is there aren't save states. I mean, granted, it's on the NES. A lot of these games didn't have save states. But when you're looking at things like, you know, emulation software, like an at games or a classic console, you generally are going to have that kind of save status for the most part, uh, depending on which ones you're playing. Uh, the other thing is the reset. So say, for example, you're in the middle of a game and uh, you jump into another title. You literally have to reset the console. There's no way to go back. You got to scroll through your list, find it, and then select it. Uh, there is, however, I did pop open a cartridge, kind of wanted to see what it looked like on the inside for this particular title. And uh, the inside of cartridge does have a save battery, but it's specifically for um, the Kirby Adventures game on the NES that is within those titles as well. So overall, uh, the little bit I played, I, I kind of jumped in and played a little bit of uh, Super Mario 3, um, you know, obviously a classic title. Uh, figured it'd be something fun to play for a little bit. Um, in my experience with it, it was, you know, the colors are a little off. I mean, it's obviously, um, in a sense, kind of like a port. So the colors felt a little bit off to me. The gameplay itself was fairly smooth. Uh, overall, it it was enjoyable. It's something that if I wanted to introduce an individual to a lot of these titles at a cheap price point, uh, this would be the way to do it. Uh, but, you know, as... Ryan and I have discussed in the past and in other podcast episodes, uh, I am very much along the lines of I want the actual original physical copy. Uh, so this is, you know, it's a neat item, not something I would personally, uh, you know, pay an exorbitant amount of money for. I found it fairly cheap, so I picked it up. Uh, but outside of that, uh, it's going to sit on my shelf. And if there's titles I'm interested in playing before buying, I'll check out the list that's online for this particular cartridge. And, uh, you know, check out my actual game and, and do some testing before I go full blown on, you know, either a remake or uh, not a remake, but an HD upscale, something like on the Switch or the PS4 um, or an actual hard copy of the game. An additional game I picked up and this one I haven't played yet. I haven't even actually cracked open the seal is Inside and Limbo on the PS4. So it is the combo pack that was released back in 2017 uh, game itself. I want to say it was released a couple years before that. And uh, it's basically like a puzzle platformer, uh, from my understanding. You're, you play as at least in limbo as a boy who's essentially in limbo and uh, trying to get, you know, progress through levels uh, with kind of puzzles involved. And, you know, there's certain things like, uh, for example, one of the trailers I saw prior to picking it up, uh, it had the boy walking through. And if you went too early, you got shot. 
by a bunch of individuals in a truck versus if you would have waited behind a, a rock or another or a van, uh, those individuals would pass you and then you wouldn't get shot. So the game kind of teaches you uh, as you go along on the moves that you've made and if there's going to be consequences or not. So pick that one up brand new. Best Buy had it on sale uh, this previous week for $16 if you have a Gamers Club reward. Uh, that was the total price. And uh, overall, I'm really excited to play it. It kind of reminds me of uh, Lost in Shadow on the Wii, a game I truly enjoyed playing and looking forward to it. So that's one that Fiance and I are going to play together. It's probably together, both games, about eight hours worth of gameplay. So totally worth the you know a nice short weekend to go ahead and play that. Uh, Ryan, I think you said that you've played Limbo. Did you have anything else to add to that? Yeah, I picked up Limbo. Uh, I think it was through PS Plus on my Vita a few years back. Uh, I was on vacation and I was just kind of chilling out, playing it in the airport, beat it by the time we landed. It was it was a fun game. It was definitely uh, some head scratching puzzles here and there. Uh, very casual, easy gameplay. I love the macabre style that they use in those games. Kind of the dark, simplistic, uh, creepy kind of vibe that you get from them is really pushing that edge of what indie games are good at. and taking those risks on something you really wouldn't see elsewhere <clears throat> with your Mario's and your other brightly colored general, you know, fun time adventure style platformers. This is definitely on the other end of the spectrum, but just as fun and a great innovation. Um, I, I'm, I'm totally in for it. I haven't checked out inside, but you know, after you play through that, let me know how it is and I'll check it out too. So this week, I went ahead and I picked up uh, the Valkyria Chronicles 4 demo for Switch. I love Valkyria Chronicles 1. Uh, I had a PS3 and never ended up finishing the game. Had to sell the console for uh, rent money one time. And before I ever got it back, I never really picked up on the series again until now. <clears throat> now, Valkyria Chronicles is a really interesting gameplay style. You start off in a tactical overview map. You have a certain allotment of moves that you can make per turn with your units. Now, unlike a regular tactical RPG where you have a grid-based overhead system, you just move and select pre-selected actions, you jump from the overhead map into a third person, behind-the-back, uh, free-roaming movement style. And once you go into there, you have a certain amount of movement that you can use to go anywhere on the map. And that bar depletes as you take steps. So it measures you as you go in real time. You got to try to find cover, avoid uh, enemies taking uh, attacks of opportunity shots on you as you come into their sight lines. And then use your actions to... Use uh, your gun, throw grenades, heal allies, resupply, fix things. Different classes have different kinds of abilities, and you go into a then first-person uh, shooting mode in order to make your bullets connect and deal damage to the enemy. Uh, it has a large emphasis on uh, tanks as a aesthetic style, also using them in gameplay as cover to move ahead and take your troops behind so that they're not getting shot at by enemies. 
It's really fun. It's got a cool hand-drawn watercolor kind of art style to it that I really enjoy. And the demo, totally free. And it's not just a demo. It's the actual first two chapters of the game. If you end up buying the game, all of your data will transfer right over into the game so you don't have to redo it. It has all of the extensive uh, menu options as far as your all your units are very specifically individualized units. They have other character units that they work well with and don't work well with. They have individual traits that are specific to them and some that are more general. So you can really build a team of characters of all these different classes that are really well integrated into this uh, cohesive world that they've put together through here. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting the full game once it comes out. It's a great portable experience as well as a great way to sit back and kill hours on the couch playing as well. And uh, so I've been playing some of that. Uh, I've also been going through uh, playing more of the messenger. I quite a ways into the game now. Uh, I'm going to put a spoiler warning here. It's not too big of a spoiler. You can see this change happen in the trailers, but just in case you want to go into this fresh, which I recommend, it's a very fun game. I'll give you a sec here. So I reached the point where you jump ahead in time. After playing this game for a while through its wonderful 8-bit aesthetic, you jump into the future and everything switches to 32. So your character sprites are more detailed. Uh, The animations are much more fluid and impressive. It it really bumps the game up to a whole nother level, and it was already a great game to begin with. The... Uh, the bosses that I've played since the last time, they've uh, definitely been some challenging ones to get through, but very rewarding to learn their patterns and push through the game in a way that is building up your skills as opposed to just building up your numbers, which I'm always a fan of getting better at games to beat them as opposed to just grinding your numbers to be bigger than your enemies. So the uh, it's it's been a, it's been a really fun time. I've come home consistently every day, sat down for a while, played it, and uh, I'm really looking forward to pushing on and hopefully trying to beat it by next week, so that I have something new to talk about. Uh, what are you playing right now, John? Yeah, so right now I am still playing Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, one of the things I purposely did to kind of discuss into the podcast here this week is. I decided to tap into the DLC content that came with the Game of the Year edition of this title. And the Game of the Year edition, uh, or not the Game of the Year edition, but the extra content is the Frozen Wilds. And so what it essentially is, is a little area that you can kind of climb up into and uh, has an entire expansive map. And it's essentially another tribe uh, within the post-apocalyptic world of Horizon Zero Dawn called the Banuk. And you go into this um, kind of fresh, not knowing too much about these people and their origin and, and what they're like. Um, and when you're in the, the actual um, 
you know, when you finally go into the actual village, they start talking about essentially a daemon malware. They don't know it's a malware, but it's a daemon that's kind of taken over uh, a lot of the cauldrons in the area and a lot of the machines that are there making them demonic. And so you go into, uh, you know, this village and they're discussing how there's this, uh, it's called Thunder's Drum. And uh, there's this, you know, pres- an evil presence up there that's corrupting the machines. And they're trying to warn people to not go there. So, of course, you as a character decide, screw this, I'm going to go up there. And uh, that's kind of your main quest within the uh the DLC itself. So, so far I've gotten through about 40% of a DLC, uh, done a few of the side quests as well. One of the cool things about this DLC is that uh, it allows you the capability to put upgrades on your spear that you have throughout the entire game. As I played it so far, there has never been an opportunity for me to upgrade my spear and create more damage uh, until now. So I finished a little side quest within the DLC and that, gave me that option. So now I'm able to deal more spear damage, which is pretty sweet. Uh, In addition to that, uh, there's new weapons and such that are within the Banuks area. There's a few new things called like Blue Gleam, which is kind of like a mineral currency in a way that is good for traders. Uh, They've got additional uh, data briefs that you can find that give you more information about the game and some of the backstory. And uh, yeah, overall, Pretty sweet DLC. Uh, I read a few reviews. They said it was like an 8 out of 10 on the overall DLC, which is you know great considering uh, the rest of the game was also very highly reviewed. So overall, in my experience with this DLC, I would say it's totally worth it. If you have the original version of Horizon Zero Dawn and haven't picked up the DLC, I would highly recommend picking up the DLC uh, for this title. So um, in terms of current news, we'll jump into that. Uh, Sega recently asked fans, they put out a poll asking fans if they wanted more remasters and uh, full-blown remakes of titles, uh, specifically in this case with the Yakuza series. As some of you may know, Sega's released uh, Yakuza 1 and 2 in the U.S. as Kiwami 1 and 2. So it's a full-blown remake of the PS2 version of the titles. And... They're anticipating, in Japan at least, some remakes of Yakuza 3 through 5, um, which came out on the PlayStation 3. So Sega put out a poll and they said, hey, uh, fans, are you interested in additional remakes and remastered? So first topic I'll, I'll discuss on that is I really like the idea of a company coming forward and asking the fans their opinion. Do you want a remake or are we just wasting our time? And so I've seen a lot of titles where we or just me in general, I guess I don't know about Ryan, but I question like, why are you making this title again? Like it, it just came out on, you know, the PlayStation three, or it might've been an early or late release on PlayStation three. And you're doing an up HD upscale for a title that you could just buy right now. Granted, uh, back in the days of like the PS one PS two, when there was kind of that crossover, we did have a lot of that. You'd have a PS one version and a PS two version of a game came out kind of simultaneously, at least with sports. But it's interesting to see that now with premier titles like a Yakuza. Ryan, do you have any take on that? So I know some people get really heated about this. Um, I personally, I don't have a big problem. I'm a big fan of just letting the market dictate what people are going to be into. Like, I haven't owned any copies of Shadow of the Colossus except for the free one that I got through PS plus 
And I still haven't played that. I haven't played this game since the PS2. I'm not really interested in getting a new version or another new version of it just because, you know, I really was impressed with it when I first played it back in the day. And I don't think new graphics are going to recapture that wonder of the first time being like, holy shit, like, look at this. It's not even a boss. It's just a thing out here. And that was the wonderment. And you're not going to get that back just through new graphics. Now, certain games that maybe didn't look, you know, the way we had imagined in the past, like uh, like the new Final Fantasy VII remake. Now, that's going to be a whole different kind of combat style as well as an update in the graphics. That kind of change, like a complete reimagining of the game, that's something that I really agree more with. But on the other hand, there's certain games that I would totally play again just because I love them. Like, I don't even need updated graphics or anything. Nintendo, please release Paper Mario on Switch. Just the regular one. Nothing nothing changed, nothing altered. I'd play that all day long because it's a game that I want. Everybody wants different things out of the game. Some people just want a easier access to play the games that they want to play, even if they own them on multiple other platforms, even if nothing's changed. And some people want to see these games remade. So I say, just let the developers make what they want to make. And if you want to buy it, buy it. If not, it really doesn't affect you. And I don't see why people get so bent out of shape about this. So kind of chime in. I think the Shadow Colossus would be an interesting one to discuss. As far as a full-blown remake is concerned, I, I don't agree with a full-blown remake having been made because you just had the upscaled HD upscale, essentially, of the PS2 version on the PS3 with Eco. So... I look at it kind of from perspective. If I'm a younger kid, I'm, you know, I think the game came out when I was like 11 or something. You know, if you have an 11 year old nowadays, they didn't get to experience it when it came on the PS2. So I can see the idea of, hey, let's release it on the PS4, a brand new reimagined version of this game and how that can be that wonderment and excitement. However, they just released an upscaled version on the PS3. So in my opinion, why would you need to do a full blown rescale? I'd rather have another um, Team Eco game come out. I'd rather have, you know, a game after The Guardian. I don't need another Shadow of the Colossus. Like, that time spent to create a remake, a full-blown remake of Shadow of the Colossus could have been made for an entirely new IP, and I would have definitely appreciated that more than at least this other title coming through. Now, granted, if I'm a younger kid and I'm picking up you know, the PS4 version, and this is my first time playing it. Yeah, that's cool and all. But a lot of those kids didn't experience Eco and Shadow of the Colossus when they first came out. They've experienced, um, go, uh, what is it, New Guardian, I think is what it's called. I haven't Last, Guardian. Last Guardian, sorry. Yeah, I've got it on my shelf. Um, so a lot of those kids, yeah, they probably played Last Guardian, enjoyed it. But um, I really think for a lot of the older fans that have been with this development team since the very get-go, uh, a new title would have been nicer in my opinion like take those resources towards that full-blown remake and put it towards a new title uh you look like you had something to say on that well i mean the last guardian was advertised back 
in 2007 and it took like nearly 10 years to come out. I mean, the same thing happened with Versus 13, which eventually became Final Fantasy 15. So sometimes these studios, they just have so long to take. And I know that uh, Final Fantasy 15 was a big hit and that just came out a couple years ago. But I mean, I've heard more people talking about the Final Fantasy 7 remake than what's Final Fantasy 16 going to be like. I mean, given I haven't seen any mentions of it or any kind of official content on it, but you know, sometimes I think people have so much nostalgia for older games that trying to see those older games, the way that we used to imagine them looking and seeing them closer realized to that original goal is kind of what people are after with all this. Yeah. So as far as final fantasy 15, I was reading something recently. I'll have to look it up, but it was essentially talking about how, they're going to continue expanding on the world of Final Fantasy 15. So tons of new DLC. I think they have two uh, bits of DLC coming out this year alone, uh, which kind of frustrated me because I read that article after I picked up the Royal Edition of Final Fantasy 15, thinking this is, you know, okay, this is a great copy of it. I can go ahead and jump in and start playing. You know, and we discussed, uh, I want to say last week or off, off the podcast, where I'm very much a fan of, if the game is going to have DLC, I'd rather pick up a game of year edition with all of it included than having to have digital copies. I'm very much on the you know, lines of having a physical game. Now, obviously, if you purchase the Royal Edition, it has downloads for it. So you still have to technically get a digital version of it. But I like having all of it included. Um, so yeah, as far as Final Fantasy 15 is concerned, sounds like they're going to be working on that for a few more years. They likely have a development team that's going into a 16 if and when that's going to occur. We don't know, but we will see. Uh, another remake, and I mean, if you want to talk a little bit about this, is uh, second edition remakes in a sense. And we kind of discussed with Shadow Colossus, but uh, one of the upcoming ones is the Pokemon Let's Go series with Eevee and Pikachu. And they're essentially a rehash of uh, Red, Pokemon Red and Blue for the most part. Uh Outside of the fact that is you also had Leaf Green and Fire Red and whatever other versions that came out, which were kind of remakes of Pokemon Red and Blue. So what you're looking at is now a kind of third tier remake as far as I see it and as far as Ryan sees it. Uh, Ryan, I believe, has played Pokemon Leaf Green and Fire Red. I did not, uh, mainly because I wasn't interested in playing those titles, uh, given that I played Red and Blue years ago. Uh, do you have any more insight that you can offer us on those titles? Well, I know that this is going to be the big first step for Pokemon kind of pushing forward. It's like, let's get a 3D realized Pokemon on Switch. Now, this looks like just another kind of graphical step up from what we've had with Sun and Moon and what we had with... Uh, Omega Self Sapphire and uh, what we had with uh, X and Y, black and white, like every time they release a Pokemon, it gets slightly better looking. And this is that slightly better looking again, but it also has some new, more open features. Like uh, I've seen you can have basically any Pokemon walk along with you and a lot of them that you can ride along. I've seen images of people riding on Onyx just through the world of Kanto. That's awesome. 
I'm really looking forward to jumping back into this because I think most original fans of the Pokemon series will think back to the original game and how much that captured us. And I've I've bought every version of Pokemon that's come out and I've played less and less of each version because it's so much the same thing. And I kind of feel at this point, if something's going to come out, I want to get more of that nostalgia out of it if it's really going to hook me. The last Pokemon that I really played through was uh, Heart Gold for the DS. That was a great remake and added a lot of extra content. And this looks like it's going to be the same. Great remake, adding a lot of extra content. Plus, it's going to incorporate the Pokemon Go game, which I'm not a huge fan of. John plays a lot. And that's why we're thinking about uh, each getting a copy and going through in a kind of uh, let's play versus kind of mode. So once that gets out, we'll uh, we'll keep everybody updated on that. And uh, maybe we can figure out a way to get the community involved in some way on that. Uh, more games that are coming out with remakes, though. Spyro. Uh, it comes out at the end of the month. And it's going to be something that I didn't even know I wanted until I played through Crash. And I was like, oh, my God, they need to do this for Spyro. And then when I saw the Spyro trailer come out, I was like, yes, this is something I definitely need in my life. And it's so amazing to look at the trailers and see the images of things that were just hinted at when we were kids. Things that looked like something and you kind of in your brain were like, oh, that must be what this is. Now you get to see it in like fully rendered, high enough definition with, you know, not just these simple blocky low poly count. Uh, you know, shapes on the screen. And it's it's really a, a marvel to see stuff like this coming back this strong, especially in a bundle like this. Like, if you're going to give me a remake of something that old and that dear, give me all three at once. Like, the Crash Insane trilogy is amazing. Like, the deal that you get for that and the amount of playtime there is, it was really fantastic. So I'm looking forward to more of that for sure. Yeah. And something to chime in on that Spyro series. I mean, I'm looking forward to it as well. I don't know if I'd pick it up right away just because I have such a high backlog of games right now, but the reignited trilogy. I mean, I, I love the color uh, style that's in there right now. Um, it just, it looks phenomenal as far as uh, the pop that it has compared to the older titles. But one thing to bring up is that there are Spyro games or at least one that I know of on the PlayStation three. So it's not like Spyro has been away by all means, but I feel like this might be a way for the industry to essentially give us Spyro and kind of re and the title is reignited trilogy, but maybe reignite the fan base into playing a lot of those other games that came out down the road. Cause I don't know about you, but I stopped playing Spyro after the PlayStation one games. I didn't jump into the PS two versions at all. For me, I just didn't like the direction the series went at that point. Uh, with the gameplay style, I mean, granted, a lot of it was the same, but uh, I just, I really didn't like it. The voice acting was different. Uh, the levels kind of felt dry in a way. They just, there was nothing really new brought to the table. Um, I did, however, play the hell out of Spyro 1, Ripto's Rage, and Year of the Dragon, and they were 
phenomenal games. I remember uh, trying to full blown 100% those games as a kid, uh, just because of how fun they were. So really excited to see that series um, being remade. Definitely agree with you having all three of them on one disc is going to be great. Uh, given that the titles are, I want to say they're like 20 to 25 bucks complete in box for the old ones, which I mean, I guess it could be considered worth it, but you know, not when you have an HD remake coming out for 30, 40 bucks, whatever that price point is. And then having older titles for a combined like 60 to 70, it definitely goes to remake at that point, especially when you're going to get the same gameplay. Um, yeah, so any other titles that you are looking forward to being remade right now before we kind of conclude our episode? Well, it's not something I ever really thought I was going to be looking forward to, but uh, just to give you guys a preview for next week, we're going to be doing our inflation deflation challenge on two crude dudes for the Genesis. Now, this week we've got something a little bit different going on because John has the two two. Two crude dudes, say that five times fast, for Genesis, and I saw that they have a Switch port. So we're going to be going through both of those and seeing which version is the best and which version is really worth it when it comes to your money. Yeah, so into that preview, uh, definitely excited to review it. I know we played... Uh, through both games. Uh, I think, did we end up beating the Genesis version? No. No, no. So we didn't, we got to, I think the fifth stage and then we were like, you know what? There's a switch port. Let's go ahead and give this a shot and uh, and see how it is. So overall, it was actually a good bit of fun. So that's a nice preview for you guys. Uh, if there's any other games that you are interested in seeing us play, be sure to let us know. Uh, if we don't have it, we'll get our hands on it. Um, but sometimes we will have the game on us. So any other thing you want to chime in before we end? I think that um, next week should be should be pretty good with this uh, two, grew, two crew dudes, two game challenge that we'll have going on. And uh, hopefully I'll be through the messenger by then. We can talk about how that wraps up. And... Uh, other than that, I think I'm all good. Sounds good. Well, thank you for listening. And as always, if you have any topics you're interested in having us discuss, uh, any games you want us to review, uh, obviously we can trash them or we can talk positively on them. Or if you want to trash our audio editing skills, feel free to comment below. This has been John and Ryan, and we are the Game Deflators.